will open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 will be beginning there and staying there for a little while and then springboarding to some other places. There was a film that was shot in the early 1900s, I believe the year was 1939, when they began to film in color. Many of you probably remember this story, and it is the great, wonderful Wizard of Oz. And in that story, of course, there's a phrase that Dorothy says, and she says, there's no place like home, there's no place like home. And the reason that she says that is because she is missing home. She is very homesick, we might even say. She's she's left her homeland. She's gone to a whole different land. And she wants to get back to her family, get back to her loved ones, get back to the place in which she calls home. There's a very similar story that Jesus says here in Luke chapter 15. Here in Luke chapter 15, Jesus, this whole chapter deals with the lost, the the lost, and Jesus tells it in parables. He tells us in three different parables. There, beginning in verse number four, he begins to tell the parable of the lost sheep. But in the lost sheep, of course, there he is talking about one of a hundred. One of a hundred. You might be thinking, that's only one percent. Isn't that a significant, very insignificant amount? I mean, you think about it. There's a hundred sheep. He's got 99. He's only missing one. What do we learn from the importance of that story? Hey, it doesn't matter if something's lost and it's valuable to you, what are you going to do? You're going to go get it. Even if it's you got 99 other good ones, you're going to do whatever it takes to go and get that one. And that's what we learn from the parable of the lost sheep. You go down to the next parable in verse number 8. Jesus tells the parable of the lost coin. But here she has 10 coins, and she loses one. So we see that the percentage goes up. It goes from 1%, the parable of the lost sheep, to 10% here in the parable of the lost coin. And what does she do? She doesn't just, you know, well, I lost that money and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go without it because this was a significant amount during those times. But what does she do? She diligently searches the whole house, cleaning the whole house, doing whatever it takes to find that one coin and she finds it. And look at the conclusion of this parable. Likewise, I say to you, if there is the joy in the presence of His angels over God, over one sinner who repents. And so there we see again the significance of finding something and bringing it home to its to its home, but then it gets it hits home. We talked about animals. He's hit your pocketbook. Now he's going to hit your own personal family. But the percentage goes up. A man who has two sons, one goes astray, right? And that's fifty percent. So each time, as Jesus tells these parables, he's getting. Closer to your own home. He's talking about animals. He's talking about your money. Now he's talking about your own children. Something that's going to hit very close to home. But also the percentage goes up each time. Let's look at this parable here beginning in verse number 11 of this. A certain man had two sons. Verse 11. Verse 12. The younger of them said, Father, give me a portion of good that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together journey to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The, f- the first point that I want to look at from this text is he was sick of home. He was sick of home. 
Here this, this young man, I mean, I mean, we're imagining that he's a young man, right? We know that he is the younger of the two brothers because in verse 12 it says the younger of them. So he had two sons. He had the older brother. He had the younger one. We imagine maybe he is somewhere around the age 20, maybe even into his 30s. He is still living at home and he tells his father, hey, I want my possessions. I want my portion of the inheritance in which I'm going to receive. I want it now. And his father doesn't argue with him. He doesn't, he doesn't try to say, I want you to stay home. He just gives him his rightful inheritance. And then he goes on there. There's a lot of times where we're sick of home, right? I mean, I mean, you, you know, maybe you're working and you're just working so much and you're just like, I'm ready to get away. And you can't wait to go on vacation. You can't wait to go down there. I, I remember when I moved away to college, I was ready. You know, I mean, it was an exciting time in my life because I was getting away from home, right? But that home, sick of home, leads to what? Homesick, right? It wasn't long. I mean, it was about a month and then I get to come home and see my family and friends and loved ones. And that's exactly what happens here in this story. This man is so, so excited. He gets to leave home. He, he doesn't have to be in mom and daddy's care anymore. He doesn't have to hear the, the nagging anymore from his parents. He's just so excited to be able to leave home. But that home, excuse me, sick of home leads to home sick. Look at verse 14 of this text. But when he had spent all that there was, he spent all of his possessions, all the inheritance that his father had given him, there arose a severe famine in that land and began to want. And then he joined him to his citizens in that country, and he sent to him in the fields to feed swine. So here he is being a pig farmer. He's having to go out and lie with the pigs and take care of the pigs, and he had wasted all his all his um, inheritance on riotous living or wasteful spending. But notice this, verse 16, And he was glad to have his stomach filled with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Then look at verse 17. But when he came to himself. You know what that means? He was homesick. You know, there's been times in my life I have been homesick. I've been in Latin America for three or four weeks. And I'm like, I just cannot wait to get home and sleep in my own bed. I just cannot wait to get home. And as that story of the great Wizard of Oz says, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. But what did it take for this person to be homesick? It took lying down with the swine, eating what the swine ate, getting down to the, to the filth of his life. But we see the second phase in this story of being homesick, being there and having to finally lie down with the pigs. But there's a third phase in this story. There's sick of home, he leaves home. That sick of home leads to homesick. But then, this is the third phrase, and that is homecoming. Homecoming. Look at verse 17, finishing out that. But when he came to himself, he said, How, how, how many of my father's hired servants have bread to, to, to eat and, and to spare, and I perish in hunger? I will rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against thee and before you, before heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven. You make me one of your hired servants. Father said, But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe 
and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and his sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat it and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found, and they began to be merry. Now, the rest of this story is talking about the older son, but this this morning I want to focus in just on the younger son. The younger son here, we see a great home coming. This this child of his that was probably smelling horribly, lying down with these pigs, being a pig farmer, eating what they ate, coming home, and his father, I think every day, was looking for his son to come home. I think every day this father was praying that his, his child may come home. Here he is sitting there looking out of this road, and he looks up and he sees him and he takes off and runs and greets him with a great homecoming. A great homecoming. You know, that during football season, there's always a week in which the football team is designated as homecoming week. And what is that week? It's when all the graduates come back to the football games, all the people that, that are alumnus of those schools come back, and they get to spend time with their friends. They come home. Maybe, maybe they have moved across the country all the way to, to Washington. Maybe they've moved up north. Maybe they've just moved across town. Maybe they're still living in town. But it's a time in which all these people can come together and be of a great homecoming. Next Sunday is White Oaks Homecoming. And I wanted to introduce this story because it, it talks about a great homecoming. A homecoming that, that is going to be taking place in different people's lives throughout the time because this story represents people that have left the Father, left left God's side and have left in prodigal living, living the way they want to live instead of being humble and submitting to the will of God. And there's a great homecoming. But this morning, I want us to ask this question. Sunday begins homecoming. How can we make White Oak's 75th homecoming a great homecoming? How can we make this event of 75 years of this congregation being in this community, being a shining light to this community, how can we make it a great home coming? i got three points I want to leave with you this morning. Number one is be present. Be present. The only way that you can make this a great success is to be here on Sunday. And go ahead and make it up in your minds to be here on Sunday. Go, go with me to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 24. Why do you you need to be here next Sunday? Number one, because you are commanded to be here next Sunday. Right? Look at Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse number 24. He says, Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Yes, we should want to be here. Why? Because it encourages us to be here. Right? If you're not encouraged when you leave the bre- the people here, when you're not encouraged by, by being here with God's people, then maybe we're not doing it right. Because he says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We're here to encourage one another. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as the manner of some are, but exhorting one another as much as you more see the day approaching. Here we see people during the New Testament times doing what? Forsaking, saying, I'm not going to go to the church services. I'm forsaking them, and I'm going to stay home, or I'm going to go do this because I want to do this. But here we see the command of being here for and not forsaking the assembling together. We are commanded to be here, and we should have the right attitude in being here. 
Read Psalms 122 and verse number 1. There where the psalmist said, I was happy when they said, let us come and go to worship the Lord. And that's the attitude that we should have when we come together to worship. We should understand, yes, I'm commanded to be here. But number two, I want to be here. where Where else would you rather be on Sunday than with the Lord's people? Tell me. Where else would you rather be than with the Lord's people worshiping the Jehovah God that created us, that is our sustainer of life, that gives us the breath that we're able to breathe and the joy that we're able to live in this life. We should be, we should want to be here, but we're commanded to be here as well. We've got to have that balance. Yes, we're commanded to be here, but we should want to have the attitude of being here. The only way to be, make this successful is by number one, you being here. By making sure that you are present here on Sunday morning during Bible class and also during the worship. I would love to see this attendance record. It is 43 this year to be at 50 for our homecoming. How great would that be to have a record attendance on the 75th homecoming at White Oak? But that cannot happen if you are not here. You need to be here, number one, because you're commanded. But number two, to fulfill the great commission. To fulfill the great commission. You know, we have events like this, yes, to stir up the brethren, but it's also to invite people, to bring people in that need to be here, that that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to them. So number one, you've got to be present, but number two, you've got to be participating. And that's, that kind of goes into the Great Commission. Jesus said what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus also said in, in Matthew's account, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. So how can we fulfill the Great Commission by having a great homecoming? It is by participating. Well, how can I participate in homecoming? Number one, by being present, but by number two, inviting. By inviting people to come to this homecoming event. There's some flyers out in the lobby that you can give people to invite them to this homecoming event. But I want to get down to the specifics. Who can you invite to homecoming to make it a great homecoming? How about those that are unfaithful? Maybe at some point in your life you sat here in the pews. I, I, don't, I don't know them because I just recently began coming here, but maybe at some point in your life you used to sit by somebody. And you know that maybe they haven't been here in a long time. Why don't you invite them to homecoming? Say, hey, we're having this special event. We're going to have we're going to have a Bible class. We're going to have worship. Then we're going to have a fellowship meal. Why don't you come? We miss you so much. Isn't that our job as Christians? Go go with me to James chapter five. Go with me to James chapter five. See what what James said concerning this issue, concerning our unfaithful brethren, those those that are unfaithful to the church services. James chapter 5, look at how he closes out this book. Look at verse 19 of James 5. He says, Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and turns him back, let him know who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What is our job as Christians, to bring them back to the fold. To go after the son that left, right? In that story of the prodigal son, we never see the father go after his son, 
But he had to come to himself to come back home. But what is our job as Christians, as we see here in James chapter 5? Our job is to go and receive them back. Go, go encourage them and tell them the error of their way. and Say, hey, you need to be at church services. And we'd love to have you here at Wido. Why not this week you make a list, maybe of just a couple people you can call, and you say, hey, we're having White Oaks Homecoming Sunday. I want you to come. You can sit by me. I'll save you a seat. And you call three unfaithful members of this congregation. What if everybody did that? What if, what if they got five phone calls this week from different people in the church? How encouraging do you think that would be to them? To let them know, number one, they're missed. Number two, you'd love to see them. And number three, we're having this great event that they can come back home. What a great homecoming that would be by inviting unfaithful members of the Lord's church to, to come back here. Go, go with me to see another verse. Go to James chapter, or excuse me, uh, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Talking about our responsibility to the unfaithful, to those that once were a part of the Lord's church that have left uh, their side. Look at Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespasses, what does that mean? Hey, if they've stumbled, if they're sinned, if they're unfaithful, you who are spiritual, those that are faithful, what does it say? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you be tempted. What's our job? Our job is to be the spiritual leaders, those that are faithful, to restore those who are unfaithful, to encourage them. And how are we supposed to do it there? Not just go up and say, hey... You're in sin. You need, what was it say? Do it in gentleness. Do it with love. Do it with meekness. And show humility to those that are unfaithful. We can be participating by inviting those who are unfaithful. But we can also participate by inviting non-Christians. Those who are outside the body of Christ. Make you a list this week of those who are Unfaithful, those who are members of the church that have not been in the assembly here for a while and invite them. But maybe make you a list of five people that you want to invite to be here that are non-Christians. What if you did that? What if you made a list of five people and called them tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, maybe even this afternoon and said, hey, next Sunday we're having a great event. We're bringing in Larry Acuff. He is a fantastic gospel preacher with a lot of energy and a lot of zeal for God's Word. I want you to come and be my special guest Sunday. We'll even feed you lunch. You might be thinking, well, I might invite all five of them. What if I can only get one to come? What about percentages? What if you have one? That's one you might make a difference in. That's one contact we can take to a next step, maybe in a possible Bible study, by meeting them and showing them the love and the compassion that the Lord's church has towards people. Because we are supposed to invite people to church services by fulfilling the Great Commission. So you can invite those who are unfaithful. You can invite those who are non-members. But you can also invite old members. Maybe, maybe there are... Members of the Lord's Church that go to other congregations that have not been at White Oak here in a while, invite them. Now, we're not going to sheep steal. I'm not, I'm not promoting that at all. I'm not going to say, hey, they need to be members here at White Oak. I'm not, that's not my job. My job is to restore the unfaithful, but to also reach out to the lost of this community. But what about those that maybe grew up here that, that live across town maybe and they can come here Sunday, just to be with them, to, to encourage one another. Invite them as well. But more importantly, invite those that are unfaithful, 
and those who are non-members. So we can participate in our homecoming by inviting, but number two, initiate. Initiating. Well, you might be thinking, what, what do you mean by initiating? In two ways. Number one, initiate conversations. Initiate conversations. I feel like many times we, we become in a, a routine. This congregation does a great job of this, by the way. They come in, sit down in their pew, and that's all they do. Y'all do a good job of getting up, talking to one another, standing in the back, greeting people as they come in. Initiate conversations with those maybe that you haven't seen in a while that are able to come in. Initiate conversations with visitors. Let them know how welcome you are that they are here. Initiating conversations. How sad is it that, and I've done this before, with going to traveling different places, walked into the church assembly, sat down, and nobody talked to you. You think that person's going to come back? Absolutely not. But if we initiate conversations with them, talk to them, get to know them, sit with them at the meal, talk with them, initiate conversations, we can develop that prospect and, and hopefully get in a Bible study with them. So, number one, initiate con, uh, conversations. But number two, initiate contacts. I want to take that conversation and turn it into a contact. And what that means is, hey, now that we've got there in the building, we're going to send them cards of, hey, thanks for visiting us. Come back and visit us. If there's anything we can do, let us know. And how are we going to do that? By talking to them, number one, initiating conversation. But number two, initiating and getting their contact information. Hey, it's good. It's good visiting here. It's good for to have you visiting here at White Oak today. Uh, we, we love to send cards here at White Oak. Do you mind if I get your name and name and address so we can send you some cards? And let you know how happy we're. We're going to be upfront and honest with them and let them know. Hey, we're going to send you some cards. We're going to send cards and say, Hey, thank you for visiting. Come back and visit us again. Hey, why don't you come back next Sunday? We'd love to have you. And send some cards. Let them know. That, but you cannot do that unless number one, you are present. Number two, you are participating, and you can participate by initiating conversations with them. Lastly, the way that you can have a great homecoming is by prayer. By prayer. I think throughout the Bible we see the power of prayer. Go, go with me to Philippians chapter four. I mentioned this in Bible class today, but Looking at, looking at this, Philippians chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 6. Notice what Paul says here. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't, other translations put it simply, don't worry about anything. But in everything, notice it, by prayer and supplication. Let your request, or excuse me, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts, that's your emotions, and your minds, that's your intellects, through Christ Jesus. So, so what, what, is, what is Paul saying here? Don't worry about anything, but take your request and let them be made known to God. You have a request this week, and that is, let's have a great homecoming. And the way that we can have a great homecoming is letting that request be made known to God. What can you pray for this week? Two things you can pray for. Number one, pray for the preacher. Pray for Larry. I texted Larry this week. I reached out to him. I've known Larry for, for quite some time now. And I just said, Larry, I'm excited that you're going to be coming to White Oak. Uh, can't wait to hear you and see you. I'm praying for, for, for a safe trip and great meeting. Number one, encouraging, but pray for him. Pray for him in safe travel. 
pray for him and the message that he brings and that it will be edifying to us as members but also to the community and those who come and be with us. So pray for the preacher. But number two, pray for the people. Pray for the people that come. Pray for those that you invite. You know, you're going to make a list. I encourage you to make a list of those who you're going to invite, those unfaithful ones and those that are non-Christians. And you're going to write them down. Take those names before the throne of God each day. Maybe when you wake up, maybe before you go to bed. And don't just, just say, pray for our meeting, but get specific in your prayers. Pray for brother so-and-so who's unfaithful, that maybe we can restore him by this event. I'm praying for my friend that I work with that I'm inviting to our homecoming and that a door of opportunity may be open to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for the people that we are inviting in. And, And friends, if we do these things, we can have a great homecoming. We can't have a great homecoming unless, number one, you're present. You've got to be here. And I know you will be. Number two, we've got to be participating. That is, by inviting people to come. Let, 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 let our goal be to get 50 plus next Sunday. How great would that be to have a great homecoming and, and meeting a goal of 50 people? Inviting people to come. But also make sure that you're initiating conversations, talking with those who come in that might not have been here before. And also be prayerful. Be prayerful for Larry as the preacher. And be, be prayerful for the people that you're inviting so that we can have a great home coming. You know, here in Luke chapter 15 where I began, there was a great homecoming. And that is somebody that left the fold of God and come home. And we can have a great homecoming as well. Today, if somebody that has left God's side that needs to come home, there's a song that we many times sing, I'm coming home, I'm coming home, Lord, I'm coming home. And what is that? It's somebody that is unfaithful coming home, making their right, their life right with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to come home. and You can do that this morning by repenting and confessing any sins in your life and be glad to pray with you and for you because the God of heaven will forgive you. But maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You can become one by simply obeying the gospel plan of salvation. By hearing Jesus, hearing the words that will save you. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And laying that faith in Jesus Christ. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, John chapter 8 verse number 24. If you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, you will die in your sins. You must be willing to confess that. With your mouth, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, you must be willing to repent of your sins. But we also must be willing to be immersed in water and grave of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And that is to have your sins washed away, Acts 2, 38, to be added to the Lord's church, First Corinthians 12 and verse 13. And you become a member of the Lord's church. And you can be a part of God's family. And you have to be faithful in death, Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 22. If we can help you any way this morning, come now together we stand and as we sing.